Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. The Bible reveals to us the image of God that we're to imitate. And as we stare and contemplate God's pattern for living, it actually transforms us. It changes us. This pattern is referred to as the fruits of the Spirit. And the Bible is full of examples and stories of what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you've heard of the list of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. You know, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But this is really only a sampling of the fruits of the Spirit. So today, I'd like to walk through three other sets of scriptures that give even more insight. And some of these scriptures show you how you can naturally and spontaneously live out his example, that's God's example, day in and day out. Also, you'll see how to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit in tough times. Say whenever you're having a bad day, how you can keep on showing the fruits of the Spirit or living them out. So listen in and let's look at some different angles to the fruits of the Spirit. So, so let's let's look at this, looking at the, the at the fruits of the Spirit. See, if I want to be conformed or transformed in the image of God, the fruits of the Spirit are the ticket. That's what draws or sketches out the picture of what I'm shooting for is the fruits of the Spirit. Remembering that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, there's a list that are specifically described as the fruits of the Spirit. Let's look at them right now. It says the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is kind of like patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no law. In other words, you're not going to get in trouble if you're trying to do these things. There's no trouble for you. There's only good things. You're As you're doing these things, not to earn anything from the Lord, but you're doing it because you love God, you want to be more like Him, good things are going to happen in your life. Now, I believe it's possible that we talk too much about this one verse and saying, or these couple of verses and saying, these are the fruits of the Spirit. They are the fruits of the Spirit, but they're not a comprehensive list of the fruits of the Spirit. Don't think that you're going to go and say, aha, I got these however many there are, and I'm good, good to go. No, 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 no. The Bible is a list of the fruits of the Spirit. It's, it's broader. It's bigger. And what I'd like us to do is, because this is such a well-known verse, is let's look at some other verses. Let's look at some other scriptures about the fruits of the Spirit and look at them freshly, you know, because a lot of times if you look at the same verse over and over again, let's say it's your favorite verse. My favorite verse, Brother Jimmy's favorite verse is, is Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's my favorite verse. It's his. If you're not careful, it becomes stale and it loses its meaning and it's not as fresh to you. That's why God has a fresh word for you every day of the week, every day of the week. So get your fresh word, and that's what we'd like to do today. So what does it look like for you and for me to be transformed into the image of God through the fruits of the Spirit? 
Well, we're going to look at three different chapters, or not entire chapters, but three different sets of scriptures in the Bible. And we're going to look first at Colossians 3, 9 through 25. And as you study these this week, when you get the text messages, as you get these these uh, these scriptures, we're going to look at them. They, they kind of portray the, the gifts of the spirits from three different angles. And I want you to look at this. The first one in Colossians is going to be one of specific actions you can take. A lot of times people say, how can I be a better Christian? Well, Colossians 3 verses 9 through 25 tells you exactly what you can do starting not Monday morning, this afternoon, when you walk out these doors, what can you start doing immediately? It gives you some specific actions. Then the next set of scriptures that we're going to look at in Romans 12, 9, verses 9 through 21, these are the fruits of the Spirit acting naturally through you, just spontaneously. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit is going to happen this way for me, or the fruit of the Spirit is going to happen this way, spontaneous, it's natural. It's not, you don't have to push yourself to do it. It just flows naturally. Have you ever had that before? You say, man, here's what it sounds like. I had a really good day today. (laughs) I had a good day today. I was joyful. I was full of peace. I had self-control. It just happened spontaneously. It happened naturally. Well, that's how Romans 12 verses 9 through 21 are going to look to us. And then the last one that we're going to look at is in Ephesians 4. And and there's... uh, it's not the entire chapter. It's verses 1 through 3 and then starting verse 22 through the end of the chapter. But this, listen to this. This is how you can apply the fruits of the Spirit, being transformed in the image of God in tough times, in tough times. And this was written by Paul. We're going to see when he was a prisoner and he was saying, even in prison, even when I'm shedding my own blood, Even when I've lost everything, I can still be in the image of God. Wonderful. Well, this is going to be so rich. So let's just jump right into it. Starting in Colossians 3, verses 9 through 25, specific actions, things you can take out the door and start putting them into practice right away. Starts out in verse 9, Colossians 3. It says, do not lie to each other. We use a Christian, you might say, well, duh, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You know, God's told me not to lie. I'm not going to lie. A lot of times, though, we lie by not telling the whole truth, right? A lot, a lot. Sometimes we paint this picture for somebody, and we don't tell them the whole story because we don't want them to know the whole story. Well, that's that's lying. You need you need to tell the whole truth, right? And so it says, "Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices." With its practices, let me tell you what, I have some natural practices that aren't very pretty. And I'm going to tell you one of them a little later on today. Some practices of the old self that I need to take off every day and put to the side and then put onto the new self, which we'll look at real quick. But let's go back to this do not lie. I was watching, my family was watching, I think it was an Amazon um, documentary. Are we cool, Kyle? Okay. We were watching an Amazon documentary Men in the Arena, Men in the Arena. If you haven't watched that, you need to watch. It's about some Somalian soccer players, and they're growing up in Somalia. They're trying to play in some professional leagues in Kenya, but if you know anything about Somalia, it's it's been a lawless country, a failed state because of these drug, I don't know if they're really drug lords, but they've just broken the country into, it's just craziness. 
and it's been that way for for really for decades. And so these poor Somali uh, <coughs> soccer players, they're trying to make a way in life, right? Do well for themselves. They get into Kenya playing for some leagues. They get thrown out of those leagues. It's, it's just horrible what they go through. But they have this coach, and I believe he's a Muslim coach, that he said, I have to teach these Somalian players more than just soccer. I've got to teach them how to live their lives. And he didn't quite put it into that, into those words. But they, they show this clip of this coach sitting down with his players and teaching them, hey, guys, you can't steal. <laughs> hey, guys, you can't lie. And he's just teaching them basic, fundamental do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. And you know what the Apostle Paul's doing this with us right now? Guys, don't lie. Did you know Christians lie all the time? <laughs> we do. We tend to want to hide things a lot of times. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, hey, don't lie. This is a fruit of the Spirit. Tell the truth. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That's being transformed into the image of God. Well, let's read on in verse 10, Colossians 3. says, but put on the new self. Remember, take off the old self. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. See, I have an old Steve Norman and I have a new Steve Norman and I'm flipping back and forth all the time. And I have to make a conscientious effort, an intentional effort to put off the old guy and put on the new guy that's created to be like Jesus. Amen. And, and to be more like Jesus. And so I, I need that new identity. And so it says renewed in the knowledge of the image in its creator. And this is what we talked about a little bit last month, last week, excuse me, um, is we need to be conformable, teachable, moldable, letting God work out the bad parts of us. You can't mold yourself. You can't be self-controlled by yourself. You need God's hand in your life helping you to be self-controlled or to be more loving or to be more truthful. Be conformable. Get up in the morning and say, Jesus, what do you want to teach me today? I'm, I'm, I'm a student. You're the teacher. I'm here to learn, and I want to change. There's this HR, I think I mentioned this before, there's this HR director that when she would interview new candidates for whatever position in that company, she would, her first question she'd always ask is she'd say, do you think people can change? Do you think people can change? I think in our heart of hearts, sometimes we, we're the jury. We're the judge and the jury. We condemn people and say they will never change. But you know what? With Jesus' help, everybody can change. Every, you have the opportunity to, be, to change if you're willing to be changeable. Be changeable. All right? So here... The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 11. Here, where he's at, <laughs> he says, there's no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Praise God. Here's a fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's, a, here's being transformed in the image of God. I'm not going to discriminate. I'm not going to be a racist. I'm not going to be an elitist and say, hey, somebody's making more money or less money. I'm just going to hang out with the people. No, we're not going to be that way. Christians are not going to be that way. I see articles uh, in the paper sometime that, for whatever reason, are accusing Christians of being white supremacists. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't, I don't, that, that is like the 
that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Praise God. I, I, I pray that we have a cross-cultural, multi-racial uh, church. And we do. Good grief. Look around. We have different races, different backgrounds. Praise the Lord. God, God doesn't want us to be discriminatory against each other. And then if it comes down to something that's black and white, he still doesn't want us to discriminate. If somebody's living in sin, I don't discriminate against them. Good heavens, man. The Bible says to love. Now, it also says to speak the truth in love so we can point out in each other's lives things that are going wrong. We need to do that, but you do it in in love, in a non-discriminatory fashion. Praise God. We want to get better. Iron sharpens iron. I need to show uh, you need to talk to me. I need to talk to you. Hey, you know what? I got a call this week. I talked to spoke to somebody. Somebody had a question about my sermon. You know what? I believe everybody deserves an explanation. Everybody deserves an explanation. And you know what? I'm sure I say things that are wrong sometimes. They're undoubtedly. If you talk, you're going to say something wrong at some point. <laughs> and so we're there to help each other to We have blinders. Do you know that? You have blinders in your life, and we need each other to help take off those blinders and see a more holistic, broader perspective of what's going on around us. That's part of being of the fruits of the Spirit. We're talking big, broad strokes here, but part of the fruits of the Spirit. There's no uh, blacks, whites, Asians, you know, Hispanics. Praise God. We're all God's creation. God called he. He loves diversity. God loves diversity. Well, we should love diversity as well. Love it. Embrace it. We, we see more. You know, praise God. Uh, Miwa, you grew up in, in, in Japan. I've learned things from Miwa that I would have never known if I hadn't been Miwa's friend. Amen. And Shelly, you, you grew up in Puerto Rico. Praise God. I've, known, I've gotten to know things from Shelly that I would have never known if I hadn't known Shelly. Praise the Lord. I love diversity. God loves. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Black. Uh, what are all the colors? Black. Red. I wanted to put blue in there, but that would have that would have come off wrong. All right. Jesus loves us. Praise God. How many of you are loved right now? Jesus, you know, God loves you. Praise God. Well, we need to love each other. No discrimination, no favoritism, no racism. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with compassion. Tina and I were talking about this yesterday. Remember in Micah 3, 6? I hope I have it right. I hope I have that right. It said, what does God require of you? One of those things, to love mercy. I tell you what, now I'm understanding mercy and more and more. Mercy's in my past. It's the pillow that I fall on when I mess up. I can't go any lower than mercy. That's as far as I can't fall into my addiction. I can't fall into my anger. I can't fall into my past. I can only fall as low as mercy. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That makes me love mercy. It says here to clothe yourself with compassion. Amen. Let me tell you what, some of the gifts of the gifts of the spirit cannot be released in your life until you start being compassionate and feeling empathy and sympathy for those around you, feeling what they feel, hurting when they hurt. When you do that, God's going to release some of those giftings in your life, the gift of healing being one of them. 
Jesus had compassion. People would reach out and say, have mercy on me. Jesus, through his compassion, would heal them. And Jesus wants to use you in that fashion as well. Maybe not Maybe not always for physical healing. It might be an emotional healing. It might be bearing someone up out of their path, the pain of their past. You have compassion. All right. That's a you're going to be transformed into Jesus's image if you have compassion. All right. Let's read on kindness, humility. I'm not going to speak to each of these, but humility. This one rings a big bell with me, man. I remember when I was losing my position at work. It was a really tough time in my life. And I felt the spirit speak two words to me. He said, be humble and serve. Never forget that. It was like a direct communication from God to my soul. And that's what I did. I shifted gears. All right, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm going to shift into the gear of being humble and serving. And let me tell you what. Can I tell you what? That word saved my professional hide. (laughs) it saved my professional hide because I was in there serving. I was being humble. I'm sure I was being watched to see if I was going to do anything that was going to be problematic, but they saw that I was humble and served and it saved my hide and it can save your hide as well. God wants you to be humble, humble, practice humility. Don't try to be bigger than someone else. Serve someone else. Amen. Gentleness. Well, this is another one that speaks to me. These are things you can take out the door today and start practicing. Gentleness. What is that? Well, it's meekness. Meekness. And meekness is always, in my mind, kind of equated to weakness because it rhymes, right? Meekness is weakness. Well, it's not. It's not. Actually, meekness is power under the control of God. It's The picture is a, a beautiful stallion that's been trained under the control of its rider. And that's you and me. God is training us. You're, you're a powerhouse for Jesus, but you need to be under his authority, under his control, taking his yoke upon you, his authority upon you, and you're going to see powerful things happen in and around you. The gentleness, the meekness of letting God. Here's another thing about meekness I want to mention. It's letting him defend you. Stop trying to defend yourself. And letting God defend you, that's part of an aspect of meekness, of gentleness, of saying, I trust God enough to be my hedge, the hedge around me, a wall around me. Uh, He places the angels of the Lord in camp around me. I'm going to trust in that protection, in in that defense. All right, it talks about patience. And the thing that I've recently learned about patience is not patience isn't about waiting. It's about what you do while you're waiting, what you do while you're waiting. Patience is is not sitting around uh, aimlessly or or not actively. Patience is doing something while you're waiting, preparing for the answer to come to you. Praise God. You there's you make a list of the things you should be doing right now while you're waiting for God's answer. Write that list down and get into action. Kick into high gear. Do what you need to do while you are waiting. Verse 13, bear up, bear with each other. All right. I think I have this up here, but put up with with each other's quirkiness. How many look at look at your neighbor and see how quirky they are? <laughs> Look at yourself and see how quirky you are. We're all quirky. There's this book. It was so funny. He said, 
everybody's normal until you get to meet them. <laughs> everybody's normal until you get to know them. That's what it is. And the front, the front of the picture of this guy, real normal guy just standing there. And then you turn the book around, and he's got this ponytail with a braid that has a red bow on it all the way down below his, <laughs> down to his legs. It's funny. Everybody's weird until you get to know. We're all that way. We're all we're all quirky. So we need to put up with each other. Say, hey, it's all right, man. <laughs> God created you, all of us, a little bit weird, you know, right? We we bear up. We bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against one someone forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's the lesson that I've learned. I'll never forget. There was somebody that just knocked my legs out from under me. I mean, had it in for me, wanted me destroyed. And I had to forgive this person. This was a long time ago. Nobody here, nobody that you'd ever know. But um, every day I would get up and I'd say, I forgive them. I didn't feel forgiveness, but I said, I forgive them. I'd get up the next day. I forgive them. After about four weeks, maybe a little bit longer, I finally felt forgiveness for them. I finally felt forgiveness. So you you forgive until you feel that you've actually forgiven them. Amen. Let it go. God has forgiven us. We need to forgive others. And over all these virtues, put on love. We're talking about the image of God. Forgiveness is the image of God. Meekness is the image of God. Uh, uh, humility is the image of God. All of these things, you look at these things, you'll become these things and you'll be transformed into the image of God. But here it says about of all these issues, put on love. And here's what I've learned. I, I remember, man, this was years ago, but I thought the power of God is when people, you know, maybe they're praying for him and they literally fall on the ground. All right. You pray for them and addictions are taken out of their life. The power of God. Well, you know what the power of God is? It's his love. There's nothing in this whole wide world that's more powerful than the love of Jesus. That's what changes people's lives is when they sense the love of God, their chains fall off of them. Their chains fall off of them. And so that's the love we put on love. And remember this, I can't love somebody until I've accepted Jesus's love for me, until I go running at that huge ocean of Jesus's love and jump into it, dive into it head first and say, I'm never coming out of the love of God ever again. No matter what I do or don't do, Jesus loves me. I'll tell you what, that's when you can finally start loving others is when you receive the love of Jesus for yourself. So these things bind all bind us all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, let, listen to this, boy, this is a big word. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it. Let it when you're worried that you might have cancer. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts when you might have financial disaster looming in front of you. Let the peace of God rule. Rule over your hearts when you're in the midst of divorce. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts when you're having troubles with your kids or your grandkids or your family, whatever. Let it. What is this word let? Well, again, it means that you're going to let God conform you. You're going to conform your troubled heart to a heart of peace. I'm not going to be troubled. Jesus said it. 
don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> don't let it. But then he turns around here in this, this scripture, he says, let the peace of God rule in you. So be conformable. Stop refusing God's peace when he's trying to give it to you and just say, I'm going to let the peace of God. Now, this the scripture really is a picture of a referee in a sporting situation where the referee says, you just scored a touchdown. And you say, well, I don't feel like I scored a touchdown. And Jesus says, I'm giving you peace. Take it. Receive it. Stop being paranoid. Stop thinking other thoughts. Say, I am going to live in the peace of God. You'll be transformed, conformed into the image of God if you do that. The image of Jesus. I used to refuse God's peace until I said, God, give me an answer, and then I'll have peace. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you peace before the answer. That's being conformed into the image of Jesus. All right? Learning to allow God's peace to rule over. Since as members of one body, we were called to peace. And be thankful. And be thankful. There's another. Here's conforming into Jesus' image. Now, I'm going to use a word that is a trigger word for some people, all right? For many people, actually. I'm going to use the word entitled, but don't get hung up on this word, okay? Some, what, what is entitled? Entitled is somebody who thinks, I deserve everything for me. I, I deserve this. I deserve that. I deserve that. But listen, you can go from feeling entitled to being thankful and saying, Jesus, thank you, God, for the three things in my grocery, in, in my refrigerator. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, God, that I have movement in all ten fingers. I can stand up. I can walk. I might have a little bit of pain, but thank you, Jesus. You might have a horrible boss. Thankful I don't. You might have a horrible boss, but you can still thank God for your job. <laughs> Amen. You might you might have lost something big in your life, but look at all the other things that you do have in your life. Thank the Lord. Have a, a, a heart of thanksgiving. I'll never forget at one point I was worried because I, wa I wasn't feeling very thankful. <laughs> I wasn't feeling very thankful. And the Lord showed me, it's because you think you're the one making all these good things happen. I'm the one that's making the good things happen. So thank the Lord for all the good. Be conformed in the image of God out of a sense of deserving things to a place of thank you, God, that I have something. I'm no longer, I, I, I'm not, again, entitled is a word that really gets some people, folks going, but I'm not entitled to anything, Jesus. I'm just thankful. <laughs> I'm just thankful. Praise God. All right, let's keep moving along here. Um, be thankful. Verse 16, let, here again, be conformable, but let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to the, to the Lord with gratitude in your heart. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And I don't know about you. Sometimes I get a dry spell when I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, where'd I read? I don't know what to read. I'm where'd I start? I feel like I've already read the Bible 50 times. Where'd I go? And you know, when I start feeling that way, which is, it's pretty routine. It happens several times a year. Then I say, God, let the word dwell in me richly once again. You know, show me something fresh. Some, show me something new. Remind me of something. And I'm telling you, within 
minutes, hours, maybe a day or two, I'm right into the richness of the word again. I'm right in the rich. I'm conformed in the image of God. That's a fruit of the spirit is having the word of God dwell in my life, my heart richly. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. All in the name. Am I washing dishes and complaining? Well, let me wash these dishes for you, Jesus. (laughs) Am I vacuuming and miserable? Well, let me vacuum in the name of the Lord. I'm doing it for you, Jesus. Am I sitting around miserable because there's nothing going on and I'm bored? Well, let me sit here and do it for you, Lord Jesus. Everything for you, Lord God. Am I typing my computer? I'm doing it for you, Lord. Am I on a phone call? I'm doing it for you. I'm going to do everything for you. I tell you what, that's life-changing. That's transformational. You'll be transformed into the image of Jesus when you start doing it everything for him everything for him all right giving thanks to god our father through him now here's what the apostle paul does is he gets even more granular and he gets into family situations now you know one thing we're told you know don't talk about was it religion politics or something else all right well we do that all the time so we do it anyways right um but you know what really gets into the nitty-gritty is when you start talking about family life, how families are to conduct themselves, and what each member of the family is supposed to do and not do. Well, if the Bible's bold and brazen enough to do that for us so that we conform into the image of Jesus, I'm going to be bold enough and brazen enough to do the same. So here goes. I'm just reading here. All right, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> it addresses wives first. It says, wives. Submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Wow, you talk about a controversial <laughs> statement there. Holy cow. You know, in this in this world where, you know, women have been raised up from the ashes where they shouldn't have been to the place where they're equals with man and even above man. And, and literally, I mean, some of the best bosses I've ever had in my career are females. They care, they understand, they have a good vision. So I, am, I have all the respect in the world for, wi- for women going past that glass ceiling and doing you know, everything that's possible for them to do. But let me say, there's some things that women can't do that man can do, and there's some things that man can do. Did I say that backwards? Let's say women can do that man can't do, and there's things that men can do that women can't do. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay. We're created differently. But in the family here, it says in the Bible, God says in the Bible that women are to submit themselves to the husband. But look at the next line here. Look at the next statement here that husbands are to love their wives and not be harsh with them. You know, I I think a big reason for the feminist movement is because men have not treated women well at all. In many cases, now, there's many cases where men have treated women very well and women have treated men very well. But there's this this is extreme exaggeration from one point to the other. And the Bible gives us right the perfect place where we need to be, where a man loves his wife, isn't harsh with her. The woman submits to his lovingness and they as a single unit, me and my wife, we talk about this. We feel like one person. 
We don't feel like there's two people. We feel like one person. We make decisions together. We talk about things. I accept her input. She accepts accepts my input. Input. There's been times when I, I said, you know, Tina, I, I just think this is what we need to do. And we went for it. Um, she wasn't 100% convinced. And sometimes we made a mistake doing that. <laughs> and other times we haven't. But my love and her submission and us working as a team has worked beautifully. Beautifully. I wouldn't trade our marriage for a million gazillion dollars. But here, listen to what the Bible says. Children, obey your parents. It doesn't say just in some things, in everything. We need to teach our children obedience. But do I go to my kids and say, you're going to do this, no questions asked, go do it. I don't think I've ever done that. Generally, I ask my kids, do you mind going and doing this, this, and so? If there's an emergency, please go get this done real quick. I'll explain it later. All right? But we always try to explain to our children why you need to do this. What's in it for you? Why this is a good thing for you to do? And, and maybe not always in words, but by example. But when kids see that the parent is explaining the why and how and what, they're a lot more willing to obey. So, yes, the children should obey, but the parents play a big role in obedient children, a big role, because everybody deserves an explanation. Even at the youngest age, kids deserve an explanation. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And that's that when, when a parent just is always demanding and commanding and pushing and don't ask me any questions. You know what? God allows us to ask questions. So we as parents should allow our kids to ask us questions. If a, if a child asks, why should I do that? I don't, I don't interpret that to be rebellious. I interpret that to that's a legitimate question that needs to be answered. And if we do that, we won't embitter our children. I'll tell you the other thing as parents. I'll just say this for any parent that's listening. Families need to be fun. Families need to be fun. And it doesn't take money to be fun. That's an attitude that you should have with your kids is let's go do something fun. My parents taught me that. I'm, we're passing it on to our kids. You should have fun. The church should have fun. Work should be fun. I think everything in life, there should be an aspect of fun and reward to what you're doing. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to quit doing it. But then the Apostle Paul goes past the family and talks about work. Now, he puts it into the term of slaves because back then there were slaves, and today there are slaves as well, not so much in our American culture visibly. Um, but, but what you have to do is take verse 22 here and look at it in terms of work. If, if I'm, a, I'm not a slave, but I'm an employee, all right? How am I going to interact? If I'm going to be transformed in the image of Jesus, how am I to be a good worker? So in, in where it says slaves, let's put the word worker. All right, workers, obey your earthly masters or your bosses. Obey them. If my, if my boss tells me to do something, if he tells me to jump, I ask him how high. <laughs> I do. How high do you want me to jump? If I get the least inkling that he wants me to do something before he's told me to do it, I go and say, hey, I think this is what you're telling me to do. Are you good with me going and pursuing this? Absolutely. I tell you what, we should be the best workers in the world. 
Bosses should be looking for Christian workers because they're the hardest workers, the most have the most integrity in their jobs. They look to do a good job. They look to improve the organization as a whole and their team as a whole. They're not self-centered. They're not self-serving. They're not trying to work their way up the ladder. They're just trying to do a good job. All right? So obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you to curry their favor, in other words, to get their favor, but with sincerity, a sincere heart, reverence to the Lord. All right? Why do I serve my boss well? Because I love Jesus. He's ultimately my boss. And so I'm doing it for my boss, but I'm looking past my boss and saying, I'm, I'm doing this for Jesus, man. I'm doing this to make God happy. I, want, I don't want any regrets in life. Do you? Do you want any regrets? Do you want to look back on your life and say, I was such a lazy oaf? I said, why, why was I sitting around all the time? I should, if I couldn't get a job to pay me, I should have gone out and done it for free. I should have been a hard worker. I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I didn't work hard. I want to be a hard worker, and you should too. Every single one of us should be a hard worker. I saw some guy the other day. I, had, I don't know what his story was. Looked, he certainly didn't look like a city employee, but he was out there picking up trash off the median. I was like, that's my kind of guy. Yeah? All right, you don't have anything to do. Go create something to do. <laughs> get up. And you'll feel a lot better about yourself when you do this, all right? Go find some place where you can make a difference in this world, even if people aren't willing to pay you. There's been so many examples of people who've done that and found something that did pay as a result of it. So go do something to, to make this place a better place to live, this world a better place to live. All right, since you know that you did not receive, you're not going to receive an inherit. excuse me, so that you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who um, and anyone who does wrong will re be repaid for the wrongs, for there is no favoritism. This verse shocked me, by the way, as I was studying this. It's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I'll mention it because it's talking about all these things we should do, and it's, it's harsh. This verse 25 sounds harsh. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for the wrongs. What this is referring to is somebody who's, trying to of evil intent that's trying to harm you if you go out outside of the image of christ and you just start harming people just vengefully or viciously harming people the bible says you will be harmed <laughs> the wrongs will come back to you evil will slay the evil <laughs> the bible talks about this the wicked excuse me evil will slay the wicked if your intent is really vicious and harmful god's going to punish you there will be justice in this world. It may not be tomorrow, but there will be justice in this world. And that's comforting for those who are trying to live a good life, trying to live for Jesus. All right, well, let's shift gears. We're going to have to rush through these last two just very quickly. But Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Now, these are the fruits of the Spirit that are happening naturally, spontaneously. You look at yourself and say, wow, I wish I could live like that all the time, just naturally generous, naturally joyful, naturally full of peace, all right? But it says here, just so we can kind of get a picture of this, love must be sincere, all right? In other words, you can't fake love. You can't fake love. Love is going to be a natural, sincere thing that just comes out of you when the Holy Spirit is inside of your heart, 
when you're trying to to get close to Jesus, these things are going to start being just natural, sincere, authentic. And and we need here's another thing. We need to be transparent. To be sincere is let me open up my life and you just see who what kind of guy I am. I don't I don't want to be fake. I want you to see who I really am. Sincerity, transparency, authenticity. Hate evil. All right? We don't just talk about evil. We hate it. We loathe it. You know what? Just as we all need something to love, we all need something to hate. I hate abuse. I hate abortion. I hate it when a man mistreats a woman or a woman mistreats a man. I hate that. Do I hate those people? No. But I hate the action. I hate, I I despise it. It says here, hate what is evil. Hate it with a passion so that you stand up against it and say, no, we're not going to do this. You know, if I saw some guy out beating a child, he was a big old brutish guy, and I know that he'd probably beat me up. I'd still go out there and say, hey, stop it, man. Don't do that. All right? Hate evil. Go Hate it enough to go do something about it. You could be rational. Don't go down to the Capitol and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We've got to be rational here. But hate evil. All right? Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. See how natural this is? It doesn't just say love each other. It says be devoted to each other. All right? If you hear that someone, you know, needs some help, be devoted to them and go help them. Let it come out spontaneously, naturally. Do something to help somebody and to show love. Honor one another uh, one another above yourselves. Remember, um, oh, what was his name from Chi Alpha that came here? Nick, Nick Hester. He was talking about honoring people simply because they're created in the image of God. All right, I'm going to honor you. I'm going sh- to show you honor. And behind your back, I should still be honoring you. Behind your back, I should still be honoring you. That made a huge impact on me when he spoke on that. Verse 11 of Romans 12, never be lacking in zeal. What zeal? Passion. Get fired up about something. Do something to improve your world. Get Have that zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And here's what happens a lot of times. We get on these social agendas that are important, all right? It's important to save the environment. It's important to help people. It's important to, to feed people, but don't lose your spiritual fervor. Do it for Jesus. Love Jesus with all your heart. Let that be what fuels your passion is because you know the Lord would be doing these same things. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You see all these natural outflowings? They just, here's what you do. And it speaks all to your, also to your spiritual gifting. Some people are just, they open up their homes and come one, come all, and this is my gift. But what's your gift? And let it be the way that you tra- you're transformed into the image of Jesus. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And here's, I'll be transparent. I have always struggled with foul language. <laughs> I've always struggled. It says bless and do not curse. You know, whenever I do something, something makes me mad, uh, just under my breath, I might say something that's totally inappropriate. You know, little by little, God is cleansed, is cleansing me out of that. And he taught me, he said, instead of cursing, bless. 
So I was like, oh, okay, all right, I can, I can do that. You know, you hit your thumb with a, with a, uh, a hammer. You say, God bless this hammer. <laughs> bless, don't curse, amen, and be conformed in the image of God. Because what did Jesus do when he was hanging on the cross? He wasn't cursing. He was blessing. He was blessed. He was leading one of these criminals to the side of him into paradise. Man, amazing how Jesus did that. We need to do the same thing. Be conformed in the image of God. Flow in blessing. Don't flow in cursing. Amen. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with, with one another and don't be proud. Don't repay, repay evil with evil. I'm kind of flying through some of this. Be, um, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now, this one could be misinterpreted, but the Bible says it. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Now, does that mean that I go out and try to please everybody? No, I can't. I'm a human being. I can't make everybody happy. But what this is saying is instead of always a, lo- a win-lose, I win, you lose, let's try to make it a win-win. In every case, you win, I win. Let's try to make every situation into that type of situation where somebody doesn't always feel like they're losing, but we're doing a win-win type of situation. Live in peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. You know what? For evildoers, the Bible says that he's going to cut down the evildoers. Well, that's pretty, pretty radical. But you know what? God has... Two options with evildoers, either save them or cut them down. (laughs) And eventually, you know, we'll all be either in heaven or in hell. Um, I pray that God saves evildoers, you know. But if they're unwilling to be saved, God, remove them so they don't cause so much evil in this world. Remove them. Get them out of the way so they don't cause. There will be a day of justice in this world. There will be a day of justice. And praise God for that. I want to be under the mercy, mercy of Jesus on that day. But you know what? If someone has refused Jesus and has done so much harm in this world, they're going to face justice with God. They're going to face justice with God. And I pray sooner than later because an evildoer is just going to do harm in this world. And we don't we, we don't want that. We want righteousness in this world. All right. Well, let's um, well, let's just read a couple more. On the contrary, in verse 20 of Romans 12. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That sounds pretty painful, doesn't it? Burning coals on your head. Um, you know, I what that's saying is you know, somebody cannot conceive when you do me harm and I do good back to you, I don't reciprocate that harm back to you. It's the most confusing, annoying thing to people. And they might just leave you alone. <laughs> All right. So do good to your enemies. Don't. Um, it's not an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. All right. And then the last verse here it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if you don't know how to do that, talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, how can I begin to overcome evil with good? Well, let's look quickly at Ephesians 4. This won't take but just a minute or two. Ephesians 4. And this is applying the fruits of the Spirit in tough times. Being conformed into the image of Jesus in tough times. And it starts off in, in, in Ephesians 4. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord. Now, 
How many of you have been put into prison for being a Christian?